right, welcome to episode three of our podcast where we talk about preparing and teaching an online course. We've been talking with Otis um, in the previous episodes, and if you haven't listened to those, you should probably go back and check out episode one and two as we go through his journey of teaching an online course. This week, what we wanted to focus on really was, um, Otis, you put out some um, an assignment to elicit some comments from some of your students. Would you like to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it was a discussion board. And um, as, as I was talking about before, this is a class about uh, the psychology of learning. So it's a metacognitive class in that they're learning about learning while they're learning. So that's kind of a vicious circle, but it's what happens is that we talk about learning in context and in theory, and then we try and bring it to life by actually having them do something where they look back and reflect on what they just did. <laughs> and did they learn what they thought they did? Um, is, uh, are their expectations being met because of all the expectations that we have when we learn things? Are their values being addressed? And all these other sorts of things that take place. And so I just asked them a series of questions, almost like a survey, and it was open-ended. And um, then asked them, I didn't require it, but I told them they could respond to their peers if they wanted to. Um, but the thing I guess that surprised me the most was how sort of really willing and open they were to share their experiences in the class and what it meant to them and how their learning was changing as a part of being in the class. Yeah, I mean, and you shared these responses with me, and I find it really interesting. First of all, just to go back with your learning about learning, those types of things, one of the students made a comment about that they were think they never thought so much about thinking how what they thought or some I mean it was it's but like you said it's kind of that cyclical process and it it's interesting the way that you ask these questions you were saying basically kind of enforces or reinforces some of the concepts within your class so they were forced to sort of use some of these concepts to go through and then answer the questions is that right right so the idea is that while you're learning a subject this one perhaps being learning, <laughs> that um, we apply the terms and conditions of learning and then reverse them back on the students themselves and ask them to do the same thing to themselves that we're doing when we look at other people from the position of an educator. So they're constantly sort of applying things forward and then looking back and seeing what happened. And so that cycle, um, it works particularly well for this class because it's metacognitive. It's a, it's a class about itself. And so um, it, it just, it helps to reinforce all of the things that they're learning by them experiencing what they're learning in a firsthand way. Yeah. And, you know, going through some of these questions, you know, I think it's, I don't want to say that it's I would be a little frightened, I think, if I went back to when I was teaching high school and I asked these questions to my students to sort of see what the responses would be. Because as you said, they're very open-ended questions. Um, examples are, what is the most surprising aspect of this course? What is the most confusing aspect? Uh, what's the most interesting? Um, what's the most difficult? So you really are just giving them the opportunity to really reflect on this class. And, you know, just kind of scrolling through some of these questions, one of the things that jumps out at me was the most surprising aspect of the class question. 
And some of them in that question talk about your format, the class structure. Um, and specifically, I've seen a couple of them here that talk about how you actually um, set up the assignments, allocating time to let them know about the assignments beforehand. I, I know that you do videos, is that correct? Mm -hmm. To let them know about the assignments. And so they, they mentioned that and then how it contributes to the assignment. And then I, I found that sort of interesting because I know one of the things that we talked about in the beginning of this podcast in the first and second episodes was sort of that fear of trying things a little bit differently um, not just sort of doing the traditional, um, you know, maybe online course where you do a lecture and then an assignment and then you're not quite as interactive with them. But you had mentioned that you're really working hard to get in there and explain what the expectations are, if possible, for every assignment. Right. So you can see that in their answers that not only is that something they appreciate, but it's something that surprised them. Yeah, it's um, it, it, I was reticent to, to a certain extent to open myself up to <laughs> whatever they were going to say. But all of the terms that we used in there, like surprise, surprise is about novelty. It's about seeing something that you didn't expect. And when that happens to you, it can peak um, something called situational interest. And situational interest is like the very first step to you developing a long-term interest in a subject or in an idea. And that's one of our principles of learning is this concept of interest and how you can use it to your advantage as uh, you are improving your own learning, but also as an educator, as you're trying to get your students engaged, is that if you can pique their situational interest, then that can eventually turn into long-term interest. So that's just one example of how these things are playing out and they're actually using the theories that we're learning and reflecting it back on their own experience. And so because I knew that the class was unusual in the sense that I told them from the very beginning and I've been reiterating it throughout that this is a journey that we're taking together. And you know, they've really kind of taken to that. I don't, I haven't gotten any pushback at all for the most part about the fact that we do, they only see the work that's available for that week. They can't work ahead. And, it's, and I even adaptively release during the week. So for instance, a lot of what I do in the discussion is an exploratory question. And so I don't give them their lectures until after the discussion is over. Because if I gave them their lectures, it would change the way that they think about what I ask them. And so part of this is for them to say, this is where I'm at right now in my understanding of a concept. And then I will give them a lecture, give them some content, chapters in the book, journal articles to read, and then provide the context based on feedback from what they said. And so um, while I'm sure that there will be similarities in every class, they're all going to be different. So that's my time spent as Wednesdays, basically responding to their discussion and then adapting the lecture to what they said. Yeah, and I think that's one of the, the interesting points when you see some of their responses as well is they can they see that this is not the usual. I know that there's a lot of professors out there doing some really cool things and trying some new things and trying to be interactive. But I think when you really push it to the level of giving them um, the ability to sort of almost 
alter the assignments as the week goes on based on how they respond and then you being able to sort of tailor it more to those responses. It's definitely something when I look at the comments that they've noticed and they've noticed it in a way that they find surprising, but they also seem to say in there as well that it's, it's something that they appreciate. So I just think that's a good lesson for all of us as we either design online courses or we teach online courses to remember that that's one of the key things I think in a face-to-face -face course that's hard to translate online. You can easily change your instruction during a lecture if you get a question that shows students aren't really understanding. So if you just sort of do a cookie cutter assignment, and it may be a great assignment, no, you know, no disrespecting the assignment, but it is much more difficult to then change the following assignment in a normal structure where you have all the modules set up and they're either open the whole time and or you just time release them but you're not really changing them. Of course, this does bring about the other part which is time management as a instructor. This is definitely not a easy, have you know your TA grade and you don't have a whole lot to worry about during an online course while it's live. That's true. Um, I, I realize, you know, I kind of made an extra time commitment to this class um, for this purpose was to find out how I can begin to scale this. And so I knew there was going to be extra time commitment. Right now I have about 56 active students in the course wow, out of 60 enrolled. And so there are times where, you know, you spend a good whole evening grading and giving appropriate feedback because each individual needs um, specific feedback to make sure that they are getting the concepts and they will be able to apply it to their semester ending project. So that that's a learning improvement plan that they're going to create that's based off everything that they're learning throughout the semester. And then as we're moving along, all of the assignments that they're doing, even from the discussions all the way through their weekly assignments, are lining up to prepare them to actually do that learning improvement plan. And so like, for instance, this week, um, I asked them to do an assignment where they were synthesizing what they had learned before onto some new principles of learning. And as a process, I let them choose five that they liked, and then they had to map them onto the subject of their learning improvement plan, which they all got to choose their own subject. So some of them, they just used themselves. Some of them, they used friends, boyfriends, sisters, fictional characters, you name it. And um, so from that point, then they were able to start to map these concepts onto the subject of their plan. And then I had to go in and give them a really some specific feedback to say, this is where you're heading in the right direction. This is where you're not. This is where you're getting off track. And, um, you know, that can be time consuming for anything. But I thought that, you know, for the most part, that doesn't happen every single week, but it is taking more time until I get better at this and start to figure out how I can scale it a little better, how, where things can be streamlined, um, where I can perhaps give group comments in ways so that way it reduces the amount of time that I spend on individual comments. You know what I mean? When there are common mistakes, that sort of thing. Right. Yeah, and I think, you, like what you just mentioned, I think, you know, as you teach this course more and more, these things will become easier and easier. The things that you talked about, like how are you managing it? Where do you notice that students in general have issues as well? I would think the first time you teach it, is really sort of just a lot of information overload in some ways. 
And I, I also want to mention too, um, that you did ask what's the most difficult part of the course. And I, and I feel like that this is similar probably for you and for the students. Um, a few of them, as I've read through, seem to find it difficult with the pacing in terms of the time of, I have to have the assignment, this, this portion of the week has to be in, I have to respond to people. You've added that to make sure that they're engaged which is great because I've been in an online course where there's no time. You just go through modules at your own pace and you're really just sort of commenting on somebody more than interacting. And they've, they've mentioned as much in their comments, but I, I thought it was interesting that this is something that students also have to learn how to do as well. So it's really, really important to give them that feedback before an assignment as well as during and after an assignment so that they kind of get the flow and understand how that works. So it really goes back to me to the setup. When you get back into looking at why this course or why a course will be successful or won't be successful, you really have to make sure the students understand what's expected of them. Right. And I think, but they're, they're admitting in some of these things that's difficult for them is that it, it's different. It's different and it's something they're not used to and it is difficult to go into an online course and say, I have to have two or three days during the week where I have to do something. Whereas a lot of times that's not how online courses are structured. Right. And, and so, you know, they'll get their content and if, you know, even if it's adaptively released every week, but essentially from the moment that it opens, they know everything that they have to do and they can allocate their time based on whatever they're doing that week and whatever else is going on. I opted for the idea that I told them in the very beginning that they had to set aside 10 hours a week to be able to do that. And some of that time would be regimented in the sense that we were going to have assignments due every Tuesday and every Sunday. And then four times throughout the semester, they would have extra assignments due for their long-term project, their semester-ending project. And so I, in lieu of the fact that they don't get to see things ahead of time is that I've kept that, that schedule very tight. So everything's always due on Tuesday, everything's always due on Sunday. So that way they at least could begin to adapt their own schedule to do that. So a lot of them had mentioned that, you know, the, the, essentially the module opens on Monday morning and then they have two full days to be able to re reply to a discussion. Now, in my estimation, if somebody were struggling with that assignment, it might take them two hours. And that's if they're really struggling intellectually or cognitively or whatever, or they're having other things going on that are distracting them. But for the most part, most people seem to do it within 30 minutes to 45 minutes. It requires thought and reflection, but it doesn't necessarily require a huge amount of time. And so as long as they're willing to be present in the moment of doing that discussion, then it's really not that bad. And then most of the work comes from the Wednesday through Sunday part where they have all their readings and then they have to do a weekly assignment that help that applies all of what they've been learning. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, I think it's this, the same amount of work. It's not necessarily more work. It's just that. I think, you know, we have to think about the expectations of our students as they come into an online course. What normally happens, what happens, what they've experienced. And I, and I think those comments help sort of show you that. I don't, what you're saying in terms of assignments seems pretty normal, but the difference is I just can't wait two weeks in right. and go back and do those assignments quickly when I have time. So it's just sort of more of a time management thing that it seems like. 
But again, as long as you set it up and let them know the expectations, it isn't something that they seem perplexed with or that is too difficult for them. They just seem that's just something that I think they're struggling with some of them in terms of this is not what I'm used to. Right. And I think there's probably multiple aspects of your course and probably a lot of other professors too where students go through that. And I think the important part as we discussing as we're discussing here is that letting them know, giving them the opportunity to see how it's supposed to be done and really especially with the feedback I think you set them up for success rather than failure in that scenario. I think you could run this course the same way that you do and really make it difficult for students by not giving those you know, uh, assignment cues in the beginning of the assignments, not setting it up from the very beginning so that they sort of know what those things are. Um, so I think that is such an important aspect as a professor um, as you're creating your course to really think about how are you setting them up for success in the course. Um, are you are your expectations of them to just sort of know what's going to happen based on what did they experience that in a previous course? Do you expect that they are? And then even in the future, um, no matter what, no matter how you do your class on course online, you're going to be you should be thinking about that. Like, you know, what is their experience? Are they going to know what's happening? And I think the assumption should be that they aren't and that you're going to have to kind of guide them through that in the very beginning. Absolutely. Um, you know, a good example of that in this particular course is um, just this past week, I actually ha had them interact with each other as part of their assignment. And it was the first time that I had done that. But because they've had a discussion due every week, that kind of ramped up in uh, the amount of workload and what was expected of them and formatting rules for the discussions and making sure that they followed the protocols for the discussion and so on and so forth. That was ramped up over time and I changed, you know, grading as necessary in order to um, bring out certain aspects like we talked last time about citations and um, changing the rubric to make citations worth more until they finally started to grasp that it was important that they do them. But also in the expectation of of getting used to seeing their other classmates posting and responding. And another thing that's in those comments is that a lot of them really appreciated being able to see what their classmates said. And so they are learning socially, even though it's not apparent. So by putting everybody's thoughts, experiences, and the way that they're reflecting on what they're learning in a discussion, then it's developed this sort of informal social learning that goes on behind the scenes. And now that they're actually able to talk to each other, I got, um, so 54 students, and I got over 180 responses on that That's discussion. Awesome. Yeah. So, and all I asked them to do was have a conversation with one person. And that was pretty much the rubric, as I, I gave them a juicy topic, and I'm like, this applies to you, this is important to you. Um, it will follow you for the rest of your life. This is important. So talk about it. You guys are intelligent adults and have a conversation. I want a conversation. And that's pretty much what I said in the video. That's how I wrote it. You know, there were some um, basics from the rubric and what I expected, but they were pretty rudimentary and they just really knocked it out of the park. They took to it. They responded, and even a week later, I still see responses as they're talking to each other about that topic. That's very cool. And I, I think what struck me, what you're talking about right there, um, if we can go back to um, our recent symposium, um, 
I think it sort of mirrors the structure that was used by Phil with group work. You start off by getting them used to the concept, but nothing too crazy or difficult where he just started, hey, share a little bit about yourself. And then it was, oh, hey, share this next little thing 15 minutes later. And by the end, the big project was something that if you started with that, who knows what would have happened at that table? Probably not a whole lot because it's like, well, I don't even know who does what. Not, but he sort of eased them into that. And it sort of seems like the way you explained that for your online course is a similar thing. And I, I think, you know, as you design a course, that's something to keep in mind. You know, have them dip their toe in first. Have them, you know, build that in if possible. And I think when you do just sort of say, hey, have a conversation, it's much more likely to happen if you do that than if the very first discussion board you say, I want you guys to have an intelligent discussion with each other about this. Well, what does that mean? I don't know who these people are. So I think, you know, gradually building as you did makes it makes a big difference. One of the things that I like to use as an analogy is that for a lot of us, if our boss came to us and said, I need you to create a new report and here you go, or I need you to create a report. The first thing you would probably ask for is an example of the work. Right. So that way you knew what to do, what not to do, so that way you weren't spinning your wheels. And so in a class, you know, most of the time that I've ever seen a faculty be unhappy with a discussion, it's when they only have two of them in the whole course. And, and so if it's not part of the regular routine, if students don't eventually learn those unwritten rules that we were talking about with Seth in right. our symposium, you know, um, and that happens in an online class too. There's all these sort of unwritten things or things that, you know, like if I wrote down a rubric for every single thing that I thought was important, then it would be like a mile long. And so you have to kind of hit the high points. And so there's this gray area. And they have to learn that over time. And so they learn your expectations. And so when you have a lot of discussions, then it provides room for the students to make mistakes, correct them, and grow in that type of assignment. You know what I mean? So, you know, when you just have one big one or, you know, very few types of assignments in a course, it's difficult for them to wrap their brain around exactly what's expected. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, in conclusion for this episode, I, I'd, I'd kind of like to bring it back to the beginning again when we talked about um, one of the, the first questions about being most surprising aspect. And I will just quote one of the students who said, I was surprised we got feedback videos that gave us a push and let us know if we're doing a good job and what to look forward to. I, I think that especially online, to build a connection with our students. I think every single one of us who's either designing or facilitating or actually, you know, teaching an online course, there's, I don't think you can add too much feedback or give too much uh, face contact, so to speak, with a video or letting them know what's happening. Um, that's sort of what online courses are, that's the tough part. It really is. It's tough to build that connection with students and I think feedback is an easy way to let them know you're present and that you are interested in what they have to say and that you want them to either improve or, or what other ways your feedback may lead them. You know, grading is great and even little comments and grading are great. But when you are giving them that personal feedback where they know, hey, my professor is really involved here in this assignment and, and wants me to do well or cares about what's happening here. I think from my experience in online courses, my number one sort of pet peeve is 
I feel like it's just some computer grading, you know what I mean? And you don't really get that personal <laughs> contact. And I know that's something that all of us who've taken online courses in the past have probably suffered before. And I, I just think what stood out the most for me in these comments, and I think what we all as designers or professors can, can really take from this is do your best to add more of that into your course. It's not gonna necessarily be easy at first. You're gonna have to find time and, and ways to do it, but the more that you can get your face you know, sort of into the course with them and your personality into the course, and it's actually gonna help them too, like the things that you do by giving that video beforehand so that they know the expectations or they know what's gonna go on. But I think it really does give that sense that you're in it real time, and clearly you are by some of the things that you're doing, and they notice that. And I think that's what was most striking for me is that they really get a sense that you're involved in this course. And I think you know the more that you figure out how to do this even easier and even less in a less time-consuming way, I'm interested to hear you know how you can share that with faculty members so that they can do this even more in their class as well. Yeah, you know. The, the one thing that I figured out about that feedback is that, in an, especially in an online class because you're not seeing your students you know, once or twice a week, is that I know when I was an online student, I would like just wait with bated breath for my professor to give me feedback so I knew if I was thinking the right way, if I was applying things the right way, and um, I just couldn't wait to hear something. And so realizing that with that many students, that it takes a while to produce the grades. You know, it takes three, four days in order to, to grade all that stuff. Right. Um, then giving them a video feedback that's a summary of the themes and the common mistakes and the common good things that everybody did sort of assuages that fear that they may have and at least sort of um, gives them something to hold on to while they're waiting for the grade to come in. Yeah, I mean, this is something, you know, in terms of, feedback and responses getting immediate feedback or, or very quick feedback is is something that's difficult to do when you're talking about through grading it really is because you right. can read something and you can get an overall idea of what's happening and what the students are thinking but in order to actually physically put that into a grade and get that to each student that just takes time so you know as you're grading you know maybe this would be one you know concept to think about doing as you're grading if you're noticing a theme stop grading put out a feedback video that all of your students can see and say, you know, here's something that I'm seeing when I'm grading and this is something to think about or, you know, whatever you can do to sort of push them to what you actually want them to know. Whether or not it affects their grade for that assignment or not, it's gonna help their understanding. So I really like that and again, whenever you can give feedback to your students, especially the more personal the better, um, the more on time it is, the more related to what they're currently doing, the better. And again, that's one of the difficult parts about online courses. And this is a way that maybe we can make it a little bit better. Yeah, I think so. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, this is the end of episode three, and we'll be back again for episode four. And we'll learn more about Otis's journey through his online course. See you later.